all evening long. But you're going to have to listen to me. <laughs> and you certainly don't want to hear me sing. I don't know what it is. My children all seem to be talented, my wife, but well, my goodness, when I sing, my wife says, I don't, you just beller it out <laughs> like an old cow with a sick belly, you know. <laughs> all right, so we're talking about uh, the Gospel of Mark, and usually I do something different, but I wanted to keep this, this thought going. Thank you for coming back. You that are so faithful. And again, thank you for your faithfulness in giving. Thank you for your faithfulness in serving. Thank you for supporting your pastor. It's always a blessing to have people that uh, love their pastor. And of course, I don't tell you often enough, but uh, I have a very special love for you, for this church. And uh, it grieves my heart. And I know that you're going through problems and sorrows. Um, I, I don't want anyone to have to suffer. And I know that many of our people uh, through the year has, uh, through especially last year, some had, uh, had uh, certain trials and heartaches that they had to go through. And it always grieves my heart when uh, the devil gets a hold of someone's life. It, it, I don't, I'm the... I don't want to get too transparent about it, but uh, when when sin uh, tries to pull our people down, uh, I there are times that I I just feel like you're like a son or a daughter to me, and and it, it fills my heart with sadness and sorrow. I can't help but get alone, and when I find myself praying about your situation. I envisioned my own children there, and um, with tears at times, I pray for you. You may not know that, but I just want you to know that's the kind of love that the Lord has put in my heart. And I do care. I care about those uh, that dabble in sin and the sin that begins to take uh, its destructive force in breaking up their homes and, and their Christian walk. And it's a it's a very discouraging thing for a pastor to, that loves his people uh, to see. And especially when, when they're there at that place to where uh, they really won't listen. They their their hearts have been calloused by sin. And they're not interested in any kind of encouragement or our reproof for our instructions that you have to give to them. My wife and I, we've dealt with a lot of heartache with our one son, Stephen. And um, that same kind of heartache is felt when you slip away. And we pray that as we get closer to the coming of the Lord, that we'll see more of our, our people, God's people, becoming strong in the Lord. And, not allowing sin uh, to bring them to a place of devastation. Uh, we've been there too many times. I've been at the caskets of those that <clears throat> have been taken out as a result of sin. And it's always, it never is, uh, a comfortable situation to get through. You never have the right words to say. Um, 
your emotions are running wild when you think about uh, what is going on in the hearts and the lives of the people that you love that have been devastated by those situations. And we've been through several of them. We had a young man in our church that just came back from camp, gave his heart to the Lord, and uh, had promised me that he'd go to Bible college, sat in my office on a Wednesday night, uh, and assured me that he wasn't going to go down that pathway that he, that he repented of, and that he wanted me to give him a referral for Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College. Well, that Friday night, some friends influenced him to go drinking with him, with them, and uh, and they drank through the night, clear into Saturday morning. He got into a car. One of them was speeding, couldn't negotiate a turn. The car flipped over, and he and another young man that was with him were both killed. His neck was broken. The car flipped over into a canal with about three foot of water. And uh, he drowned to death with a broken neck. His father drove by there, one of our trustees, a member of our church, drove by there and saw what was going on, had no idea that was his son. He got home about 15 minutes later, the state troopers came knocking at his door. About half the church was there at his home. They called me up and told me what had happened. I was there. And we, my wife and I, we've been in several situations like that down through the years. It's never easy to go through. I had a family in our church, a five-year-old boy was playing in the road and was hit and killed by an automobile. Uh, so, yeah, and we, you know, when we... When we hear of sin that comes into your life and you're going down that road, we're always fearful of what may happen. And God is very clear that he loves his children, but he also disciplines his children. And it's never a fun thing when God's discipline is severe. We read here in this story about a young man. I don't know how he got mixed up in the occult or how he dabbled into the occult in such a way to where now he is possessed by the demons that evidently he was dabbling in. But it does happen. And what was going on in that day still goes on today. We just label as different things. We don't want to label as demon possession, but much of what goes on today is demon possession. And Jesus, as we talked about this morning, when he traveled across uh, the lake or the Sea of Galilee, as what it is called, he comes to this place called Gadara. And as he comes to this place called Gadara, <clears throat> immediately he's confronted with this young man. The story begins in verse number one. As they came over unto the other side, of the sea into the country of the Gadarenes. When he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no man could bind him 
No, not with chains. Because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces. Neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee, I adjure thee by God, that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh unto the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, Send us into the swine that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. They were about 2,000 and were choked in the sea. Heavenly Father, bless our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We find that the lost are dwelling among the tombs. They dwell among dead people. Uh, they fellowship with dead people. They live with dead people. Um, they celebrate with dead people. Jesus Christ made it very clear that the Pharisees and scribes were whited sepulchers. And uh, inwardly, they were nothing but dead men's bones. There was no life within their soul. The flesh is alive, but the spirit is dead. The soul is headed for a tomb called the lake of fire. And um, dead people like to hang out with dead people. I don't, for the life of me, understand why Christians would want to hang around with dead people. People who are chained by all the wickedness that the demons of this world possess them with. And yet, uh, there are those uh, that, for whatever reason, would rather befriend the world than to befriend God's people. Would rather fellowship with demons than to fellowship with the Spirit of God. And yet, they call themselves Christians. I don't understand that. If they're truly saved, why are they in that kind of place? The world is constantly saying, come in, come into the tavern, come into the liquor stores. Come into the weed house, get your pot. Stand in line with the rest of the dead people. Why are God's people doing that? 
and yet it goes on. We must understand that Satan seeks to bind us. And when he binds you, there is no man that can tame you. There's no program that can help you. You can put them through expensive drug rehab, alcoholic rehab programs, and they are still bound. You can try your best to chain them down, to do whatever you can to help them. You can put our chains of righteousness around them and bind them by uh, the good things that we would try to do to keep them. But until they repent of the demons that are in them, they're going to break those chains because they are bound by Satan. And it breaks my heart, it breaks my wife's heart to see that we have a son like that. And there are times where he cries for repentance. Our hearts are smitten. He calls us up when we tell him, we don't want you in our home. We can't put up with your lifestyle. You have to leave. There have been times we've had restraining orders brought against him. There have been times we've had him arrested. He served in, in, in a jailhouse for several months. Uh, we were told one time if we bring charges that the state of Washington would put him through a program, but we have to bring charges, and they have to be tough charges, and they have to be charges that will stick. And so they put a felony on him. They didn't put him through a program. They just locked him up. That's all they did. There, <clears throat> there are no chains that we can try our best to bind them with until they come to a place to where they recognize that I am tormented by these demons. We have to acknowledge that they're out there. And they can take control of your life. They can take control of your children's lives. These demons, they work through all types of programs. And we need to be careful that we don't dabble in the things that Satan uses. And there are video games that young people dabble in that are the occult. Uh, there are movies that young people dabble in. They watch the movies. They see nothing wrong with the movies. And yet, <clears throat> it is a doorway because they make the occult look so enticing and so innocent. And so good. And the next thing you know, they're caught up in it. We need to be careful that we stay away from those areas. Young people today <clears throat> are bound by Satan in a greater way than any time that I've ever been alive. We've got all these hate movements out there. And there's so many young people that are being involved with it. We have public schools now uh, that are dabbling in these things and our young people are getting caught up into these things. So they use many devices. 
And uh, we try using treatment programs to bring them out. And we have uh, programs that can help them. But now we find as we move to the rest of uh, my message that the world uh, says, leave them alone. The demons of sexuality. It's this transgender situation going on. It's one of the demons that Satan is using. And we can call it gender equality. Well, it's nothing more than, than a, a satanic program. And it's very radical to the core. Uh, they don't want Christians in any way counseling with these people that are caught up uh, in their gender confusion. If a man thinks that he should be a girl, leave him alone. Encourage him in whatever direction his mind wants to go in. But don't give him the Bible. These are all demonic. This is all coming from the pits of hell. There are demons that are lobbying Congress right now to continue to legislate laws. There are Senate bills right now within our state and within our federal government that wants to bind the hands of churches and keep us from releasing these people from their demonic behavior. And we find now that rather than helping them to break these addictions, there are programs like in Seattle, Washington, where if you're hooked on heroin, you can get all the heroin you need from, from the city. They provide it. They provide clean needles. They provide the heroin. And you just show up whatever time they tell you to show up and they're going to give it to you so that you don't have to go out into the alleys and the byways and use tainted news or maybe use heroin uh, that is laced with some horrible drug that um, may kill you a lot quicker than the heroin. And this is the thinking of our government. There are some important things that we need to remember from this passage. And that is that Satan seeks to capture every one of our lives. But we can be set free. It's through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Apostle Peter wrote in 1 Peter Chapter 1 and verse number 18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things, as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by the traditions of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, or the blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. God wants us to understand that he can redeem us. The Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthians told us that uh, these people that commit these type of sins, immorality and fornication, uh, those that dabble in the occult and, and those that, that, that men sleep with, sleeping with men and, and women with women and doing those things unseemly, that they cannot inherit the kingdom of God and he goes on to say, and such were some of you, but you have been washed and you have been cleansed. We have to come to a place to where we truly want to be washed.
And what I have found with most is they don't want to be washed. They get to a place to where they want help, and once they get the feeling a little better, then they go right back to their sin. And one of the indicators that they really don't want the help is when they start talking about their sin, the good times that they had, laughing about their sin. Really, what they're doing is making a mock of sin. I don't like that. I have had people get upset with me. I won't mention any names. We had a situation some time back ago where someone was talking about their past and laughing about it in front of some of our children on the band. And I said, hey, I want you to shut your mouth on that. These kids don't need to hear about this. It's not a laughing matter, by the way. It's not a laughing matter. And I hear it quite often. Oh yeah, they want to repent, but then they laugh about where they've been, like it was some kind of a funny thing. There's nothing laughable about this young man that's hanging out in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with rocks. And yet they continue to go back and seek it over and over and over again. And they're all over out there. And they're usually homeless because no one wants them around. Their parents can't deal with it. Their friends no longer can deal with it. And so they go out there and they hang out with the people that can deal with it, people who are just like them. And we can call it all kinds of behaviors, but we need to understand it is demonic and they are possessed with demons. Until they can come to the place and acknowledge that I need to be exercised from these demons. These demons have chained me down and... And I, I'm at that place to where I don't want to be set free, but I know that I need to be set free. It's going to take someone a lot more powerful than us. It takes the Lord Jesus Christ. It is God that gives repentance. We can't preach it to them because most of them, their hearts are hardened to it. The only thing we can do is pray that God in His mercy and in His grace would give them repentance. We get this idea that, well, if they see a psychologist or a psychiatrist and they can get on these different drugs and, and take these different drugs, well, perhaps the volume or perhaps some other mind-altering drug that can maybe help them, you know, with their bipolar or their schizophrenic or, or their, their um, whatever you might want to call it. They have to acknowledge Usually, 90% of the time, what had brought them to the place that they are is demonic behavior that they dabbled into. The lifestyles that they lived, the people that they've hung out with, the drugs that they've associated themselves with. And there's an epidemic of all these things that are going on. And they need repentance. But the Bible makes it very clear that they're not going to get it unless they want it. We read over here in the book of Revelation chapter 9 and verse number 20. I, I think most of us are familiar with that passage. 
But here's a whole world filled with this kind of behavior. And God's judgment has fell upon them. And yet, out of all of the things that they've endured, they still not will repent. We read in verse number 18 that by these three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone which issued out of their mouths. For their power is their mouth and their tails, for their tails were like unto serpents, and, their, and they had heads, and, and with them they do hurt. And the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, yet repented not of their works, of their hands, that they should worship devils and idols, and gold, and silver, and brass, and stone, and wood, which neither can see, nor hear, nor walk. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries, nor of their fornication, nor of their thefts. By the way, the word sorceries were, comes from the Greek word pharmakeia, where we get the word drugs. Or I should say, pharmacia. And so they dabbled in the occult. Uh, they dabbled in that of demons. They're involved in sex and all kinds of wickedness and fornication. You know, and they think nothing of morality. They think nothing about who they have sex with. They're concerned about contracting the HIV virus, and from time to time they go and get checked on that. But they will not repent. The thing that we need to understand is that they can be an influence unto our children and to others, and we need to be careful that we not allow them to be that kind of influence. The thing that we need to do more than anything is continue to pray that God in His mercy and God in His grace would give them repentance. There was a time in my life where I was in that same situation, a young man that was, that was involved in drugs and alcohol. I had the responsibility of a home, a marriage, and I was not being responsible and I was not having any desire to want to be in church, but someone evidently was praying for me. Every Wednesday night, my wife would go to Faith Baptist Church and they would take up prayer requests and her hand would go up, pray for my backslidden husband. I had no interest, no desire in church. I was hooked on drugs. I was an alcoholic. All of these things have been going on, not for months, but for years. And out of the grace of God, He gave to me repentance. I wasn't asking for it. I wasn't praying for it. I wasn't searching for it. I was just at a place to where I was miserable in the lifestyle that I was living. I had no desire to repent. I just felt the only way out to be broken from the chains that Satan had me bound by was death itself. And then I heard that small, still voice in the back of my mind. It was almost though the Lord was sitting in the back seat of the car when I was contemplating suicide and said, Jim, give me your life. And somehow the Lord was able to smite my heart. And by the grace of God, 
when I went home, I went into an atmosphere where my brother David was playing Doug Oldham's song, The King is Coming. I would have never put that record on. I would have never listened to that kind of music. But that's what I walked into on that Friday night about 9.30. And all of a sudden, while I was sitting there drinking my vodka and orange juice, my heart was smitten. I didn't ask God to do it. I wasn't seeking for God to do it. But someone was praying for me. I found myself on my knees crying like a baby saying, God, I can't do this. And God said, but I can. And I said, then please help me. And he did. And I honestly believe that the demons left my life. I didn't go through withdrawals. Now, I was popping bennies every day, and it's just like speed, you know, and like crystal meth or anything else. It's just not as harsh, but, you know, when you're, you're doing this every day for two or three years, it does become addictive. I was drinking a, at least a fifth of whiskey all throughout the day, chasing it down with beer. That had been going on for about three years. Smoking pot on the weekend. I wasn't a big pot smoker, but I did like to hang out with some friends that would smoke it, so I would smoke it with them. Popping reds to try to maintain some sobriety and get sleep at night so the next day with my bennies I could stay sober and drink my booze. Smoking up the two packs of cigarettes every day for more than two or three years. And I tell you, God is my witness. You can ask my wife if you think it's an exaggeration. That night, I was given victory over all of those things. Amen. Two weeks later, I'm driving down the road. I'm in the scrap metal business, heading over to Escondido, wondering, well, when is this thing going to hit me? It never did. By the grace of God, he can. But I believe it was because there was a church praying for Jim Nolan. Believing that there is a Savior that is able to redeem us. We must understand that Satan seeks to possess the lost. The only one that can deliver them is the Lord Jesus Christ, but somehow they've got to be crucified to their sins. I think what the Apostle Paul said sometimes goes over our head, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's not my life, it's his life. By the grace of God, I came to that place to where I realized that apart from God, I can't live the life that He wants me to live. He has to live it through me. And I, I will dare say that there have been times where I've allowed discouragement and things to get a hold of me and the old devil tried his best to pull me back, but by the grace of God, he kept me from going back. Because I've had a taste of both worlds. And to go back is a nightmare. Let me just say in closing. <clears throat> that this community wasn't happy about what had happened. 
I mean, they were upset. They come to Jesus and they tell him, you know, you're going to have to leave. We read in verse number 14, and when the swine fled, they went into the river. We come to verse number 14, so they told it to the city. And in the country, roundabout was told, so... I mean, the entire country and the people in the city, they come to see what was done in verse number 15. So they come to Jesus and they see him that was possessed with the devil who had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind and they were afraid and that they saw it. They told him how it befell to him that was possessed with the devils as also concerning the swine, and they began to pray Him, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, to depart out of their coast. They wanted Him and they wanted this man out of their coast. We don't want you here. We don't want this happening again. You see, they don't want... People who are living a lesbian lifestyle, they don't want these women to repent. They don't want the gays to repent. They don't want people to repent of their rebellion. They don't want Antifa to repent. They don't want none of these people to repent. They want us to recant. And if we're not willing to recant, then we want you out of here. Get out of our city. When you see them sitting in the cafes, tell them, get out. We don't want you here. You're not wanted here. That's where this old world is coming to. I think we've heard some of that. They don't like the programs that would put an end to abortion. They don't like the programs that would counsel young men and young women to live straight lives. Uh, they don't like the idea that children can be trained, that they can be okay with uh, being a boy or being a girl the way God had created them. Leave them alone. Let us have them. We want them to be possessed. You know, the interesting thing is a self-respecting pig would not have anything to do with those demons. And yet today we've got those out there doing what the pigs would never do. And that's where the world wants to take us. Just mark it down, the world is not our friend. The world does not like you. The world hates you because of who you love and because of who they hate. And because you love him, they hate you as much as they hate him. So they begin to pray him to depart out of their coast. What's interesting is when Jesus got in there, you know, and the way I understand it, they were talking to both the man that was now in his right mind, clothed and all cleaned up. And by the way, that's what Christianity does. The girls take off their miniskirts and put on a long dress. They stop dressing in Revealing clothes that draws these sex-craved maniacs to lust over their bodies and they start dressing like ladies. Men start dressing like men. They don't run around with their stupid little old tank tops cut off at the top of their belly button. Wearing their little old shorts. Walking around in sandals. Going out in public places like that. 
No, they clean up themselves. They dress like men. They talk like men. They walk like men. Men of God. Ladies dress like ladies. They come out from the world. They come out of those wicked places. They clean up their lives. And the world doesn't like it. The world wants to drag you down. The world should never be in you. You need to be out of the world, but yes, left in the world to be a witness to the world. Jesus said something that was hard. He's in the boat. He wants to leave. He wants to go with Jesus. And Jesus says, no, you can't go with me. I want you to go back to your family. I want you to go back to your friends. I want them to see that you are now in your right mind, that you are clothed, that you're no longer naked, that you are clean, and that you have now the love of God permeating your life. And I want you to go and tell them about me. Oh yes, it would be wonderful if Jesus would take us in the boat and get us out of here. But no, He wants us here, but He doesn't want the world in us. He wants us in the world telling the world about Him so the world can get out of the world and get into Him. When He is through with us, then He will take us out. Yes, we want the Lord to come, but we better be a witness before He comes. Let me just say in closing, the field that we go out into when we leave these doors is the field that God wants us to minister into. We need to go out there clean, in our right minds, fully clothed, With the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Telling others about him. That's what it's all about. How be it. Verse number 19. Jesus suffered him not. But saith unto him. Go home. Go home to thy friends. And tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee. And had compassion on thee. What did he do? He departed and began to publish in Decapolis. How great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. See that's what we're supposed to do. Heavenly Father thank you for your word.